Welcome to Hope City Church, Melbourne, Australia. Stay tuned for another inspiring message by Pastor Andrew McGrath. I want to speak to you today about walking in your kingdom authority. And uh, this is a, a really important revelation for you to get a grip of in your life so you don't stay defeated, but so you become truly powerful. 1 Chronicles 4.9 says, Jabez was more honourable than all of his brothers. His mother called his name Jabez, saying, Because I bore him in pain. Never, ever, ever label anything in your life out of pain. Always label life out of the promises. Define your day, your future out of the promises, not out of the pain. I write about in my book, The Gospel According to Noah. If you haven't got that, you should get it. But Hagar, she was crying under the tree and the boy, Ishmael, was 100 metres away under another tree and he was crying, Hagar was crying. God heard the voice of the boy, not the voice of the woman. It's not because he doesn't like women, but God always responds to the voice of the promise, not the voice of pain. And he says to Hagar, you go back to the boy, lift him up in your arms and embrace him. He says to us, get out of your pain cycle, go back to the promise, pick it up, hold it in your hands. Even if you have to cry in tears, voice the voice of the promise. And as soon as she did that, her eyes were opened and she saw her provision. You'll never see your provision when you're voicing the voice of pain. Me, oh my, my world is terrible. Get the promises in your heart. See, this woman was in pain, but instead of prophesying what God saw for her life, she prophesied her pain and caused a, a train wreck to begin to happen that someone else had to fix up. Don't voice pain. Stay silent if you have to, but voice the voice of promise. Provision is attached to the promise, not your pain. Just a thought. And Jabez called on the God of Israel saying, why did you give me this mother? He never said that. He said, oh, that you would bless me. You know, it doesn't matter what you've been given as your starting life. That doesn't have to be the end. You're not just some blob on the earth that has no control over your past, present and future. God has given you a will. God has given you the ability to say, even though my life has been terrible up to now, I can by a matter of choice and by agreeing with what you say, change the course of my future. You can do that. You can do that. So you can walk out here defeated or you can walk out in victory. It's your choice. And when you get to heaven, you won't say to God, well, you know what? It was the mother you gave me. It was the brother you gave me. He'll say, what did you do with the promises that I gave you? Yeah. I did everything. for. I set you up for success. Yeah. Oh, that you would bless me indeed, he says. This is what Jabez says. This is remarkable. You know, if I can say it in an in a unkind way, he was born into a family of losers. He was born into a family of me, oh my, you know, Eeyore the donkey. But he breaks out of that shell and says, God, I want you to bless me. I want you to enlarge my territory and that your hand would be with me and you would keep me from evil. And we've shared over a number of weeks, the first thing he did was he got a revelation of the power of honour. He was more honourable than his brothers. Honour 
when you honor your, your source of life, your fathers in the natural, those that God has placed in spiritual authority over you, when you honor them, life flows. Here's the reality, not in this church, but in all the other churches, that a lot of people come to church and they're part of a church, but they never come under the covering of the leadership and life doesn't flow. Now, we're not talking about being controlled and told what to dress. And eat. It's, it's an attitude of the heart that you engage and the, the DNA of the leadership of the church penetrates your heart and something begins to change. I've preached in churches for years and some people have never changed. I've gone back and looked at my sermons and thought, maybe it's me. And I discovered it wasn't me. Because there were other people in the church that were changing, radically changing, quickly changing. And it's because of honour. Wherever you honour, life flows. You may have had a bad dad, a bad mum. I'm sorry about that. But you need to honour them. Because life flows through honour. It's not about whether they're good or bad. It's the fact that they are your life giver. It's your entry point into the world. If they did nothing else but give you the ticket to get into this world, that is a great enough reason to honour them. And where you honour, life flows. For some of you, that's really tough. I understand that. But you know what? When you forgive, you get yourself out of prison. If you don't forgive, if you don't release, you'll be tortured all your life. You'll have to make all the inroads yourself. Orphans have to open every door. Sons allow the fathers to open doors for them. And even if your father's not alive or your mother's not alive, it, the, the principle's the same. Yeah. When you honour them, life flows and doors open. Yeah. It's exciting, isn't it? Yeah. And somehow Jabez got a revelation that I need to honour, even though, even though my mother has called me Jabez. The second thing, he says, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge me. Yeah. Say enlarge. Say it again. Can you feel that? It's a wonderful word. Oh, that you would enlarge me. Oh, that you would enlarge me. And I spoke about Peter where Jesus sent him out into the lake to catch fish. And he went out into the deep and he caught fish and he filled his boat. Now, the question was, were there more fish in the sea? After the boat was filled, there was, because we know that he called his partners and they brought a boat and that boat was filled. And the reality is in the kingdom, there's as much fish as there is boats. That's the truth. You can have as much as God as you like. The issue is capacity. Will you allow God to increase you because he wants to fill you? What you've got isn't the limit. Isn't, this isn't all that there is. So the issue is... God has given you all you need. He will fill you and fill you and fill you. The prophet and the widow, you know, go and get vessels, not a few. And the oil stopped flowing when the vessel stopped coming. And as much as you allow God to increase you in a larger, he will bless you. So we spoke about that two weeks ago, I think it was. So are you being enlarged? What does that mean? What does it mean to allow God to enlarge the way I think? So maybe I need to dress different, think different. Choose different. New friends. Can you be enlarged with your circle of friends? It's a good question. 
The only way to be enlarged with your circle of friends is to have at least one friend that's bigger than you. If they're all smaller than you, you're not going to be enlarged. So we need to be around people that are going to increase us and enlarge us and allow God to enlarge the way we think. And the third thing he says here is, Oh, that your hand would be with me and keep me from evil. This is talking about, I want to come into a place of authority in the kingdom. Now, I want you to turn with me now to John chapter 10 because you're going to see something maybe for the first time in this passage. John chapter 10 verse 1. This passage of Scripture is a history lesson about all that's happened on earth for the last 6,000 years, about God's role and the devil's role, and about authority. Most assuredly, I say to you, Whoever does not enter by the sheepfold, sorry, whoever does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up another way, that same person is a thief and a robber. So there's a door that everybody enters into to get into the planet. That's called your mother's womb. And whoever doesn't enter by that door is a robber. And there's one person that entered into this world via another way, and his name is Satan. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. That's Jesus. He entered by the door. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name, and he is going to lead them out of the state that they find themselves in. Jesus comes to earth to deal with the state of man's spiritual affair. And when he brings out his sheep, he goes before them, speaking of the cross. And the sheep will follow him, for they know his voice, yet they will no means follow a stranger. They will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of a stranger. Jesus used this illustration, but they had no idea what he was talking about. I don't blame them. Jesus is speaking in spiritual parables. Then again, Jesus said, he says, there's a natural door that every man comes in by. I came in through that same door. And I've come to change something profound for all mankind. I'm going to release everyone that is stuck in this realm and they can't get out. Jesus says in verse 7, most assuredly, I say to you, you can bank on this, I am the door of the sheep. Now, here's another door. The first door is a natural door. The second door is the door into eternal life, into salvation, into the kingdom of God. Are you hearing this? Yeah. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep didn't hear them. I am the door, and if anyone enters by me, they will be saved, and they will go in and out through this door and find pasture. They will navigate between heaven and earth and they will find pasture. The thief comes to steal, to kill and destroy, but I have come that they would have abundant life. So I want you to picture, if you will, there's a doorway here or even here. And everyone, everybody, to have authority on earth, you have to be born. You get that? Yeah. No body, no authority. 
We know that. Demons have no authority unless they can operate through something physical on the earth. That's the first thing. If you want authority, first you've got to go through the first door. You've got to be born into the world. But there's a problem because something corrupted in the garden and now all of mankind is held under the authority of the devil. Adam and Eve, who are spiritual gatekeepers, gave their authority because authority comes from God. They gave that authority to the devil. Now all the world are under the authority of the devil. This is what Jesus walks into. So he comes into the world and he is the first person from Adam to himself that is not under the authority of the devil. So he's walking around and the devil doesn't know what to do with him because no one else has come like that. There's never been a person. Millions and millions of people. I don't know how many. But they've all been under the authority of the devil. And Jesus comes and the devil can't touch him. And we know that at the wilderness temptation, there is a battle between Jesus the man and the devil. And the devil wants to control Jesus and he offers him the kingdoms of the world if he will bow down and hand over this authority that Jesus has. See, before Jesus, nobody could cast out a demon. Look through the scripture. Nobody delivered people from demons. Jesus has authority to come against the enemy who has stolen that which doesn't belong to him. He then goes to the cross and defeats the devil on behalf of all of mankind. In the wilderness, as a man, at the cross, on behalf of all mankind. And he opens up a doorway so that all that are in this realm under the devil's authority have the ability to step out through that door and come out of his authority. Are you getting this? Then we can step back in and we're still not under his authority. He says you can go out and you can go in and find pasture and you will not be under his authority because all that authority has been broken. In fact... In fact, if you read scripture, it infers that the devil no longer has authority over anybody. Not just believers, but over anyone. That authority was broken. So we can go out and come in. And we now have his authority. Now the world without Jesus has no authority. They are under the delusion and the deception of the evil one. But for those that are born again that have gone through two doors, we have all authority and all power over the evil one. Are you getting this? This is what John's saying in John chapter 10. There are two doors. Two doors you've got to go through. And if you go through the second door, you have all power and all authority over the devil. That alone gets rid of most spiritual warfare, most mumbo-jumbo prayers, most a lot of intercession, a lot of Old Testament nonsense. I don't mean the Old Testament's nonsense, but the mindset of wrestling and warring against this demon, these demons and this devil that has all power and authority. He has no power. He has no authority. That's what the Bible says. Matthew 28, 18, Jesus spoke to his disciples. So he goes through that door. He says, I am the door. 
He creates a new way for mankind. He goes, he, uh, he dies, he's resurrected, he comes back from heaven to his disciples and he says these words, Matthew 28, 18. He says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and in earth. Go therefore. How much authority? So you know the story. All authority means all authority. If he has all authority, it means Satan has no authority. If he has all power, it means Satan has no power. Well, but, 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 but. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. See, he had that the moment he was born, when he came through the first door. But he was saying this on behalf of all mankind. When he went through that second door, he regained all authority on earth and in heaven for you and I. So if it was given to him, it indicates it was something that he didn't have before. Is that not true? If he says all authority has been given to me, he's speaking on behalf of mankind, it infers there was something that he had to get because he didn't have it. Now Luke 4, 5 says, The devil took him up to a high mountain and he showed him all the kingdoms of the world. This is the same kingdoms that Abraham saw when he walked through the breadth of the land. And he did that on behalf of us. But the devil shows Jesus all the kingdoms and he says, See all this? All this? I own it. I have authority over it. If you bow down to me, I'll give it to you. Why did he say that? Because there was no second door. And he knew that Jesus had come not for himself, but somehow he knew it was for mankind. He says, I'll give you this authority if you bow down. But Jesus, as you know, refused to bow down. And something happened between that moment and when Jesus came back from the grave. There are three things that John talks about in the book of John, that give us insight into what took place between the moment Jesus said no to Satan and then the moment when Jesus said, all authority and all power is given to me. Listen to this. Turn with me to John 12, 27. John makes three statements that give us insight into what took place spiritually on behalf of mankind. This is amazing. Jesus said in verse 27 of John 12, My soul is troubled. What shall I say, Father? Save me from this hour. For this purpose I came. Glorify your name, Father. And a voice said from heaven, I have glorified it and I will glorify it again. There's a point there. Therefore the people who stood by and heard it said, It thundered. Others said an angel had spoken. But Jesus said, This voice did not come because of me, but for your sake. Now listen to this. And now is the judgment of this world. That word judgment means in the Greek crisis. It, it literally means a trial, a crisis, a turning point of all of the world. Jesus said, now there's a trial about to come. It will be a crisis moment. And it, on that moment hinges the turning point of all of the world. It will never, ever be the same again. And now the ruler of this world will be cast out. That word means ejected. So what happened when Jesus and Satan clashed 
in hell, what took place? What does it mean that Satan was ejected? What was this trial about? Well, it says here in John chapter 12 that there is two things that will happen. The world will be judged at the cross. And it says the ruler of this world will be judged as well. Now, we know there's a final judgment, but this is talking about the judgment that happened at the cross and also in the bowels of hell. Two judgments happen, one on behalf of all of the world and one on behalf, one, sorry, on Satan himself. He says, I'm going to judge him and I'm going to cast him out. That tells me that the Satan that exists after Jesus rose from the dead is a different Satan than the Satan that was before Jesus rose from the dead. Are you getting this? The world will be judged and the ruler of this world will be judged. Who's the judge? God. God set up this trial. He says, right, now I am bringing judgment. The accused is mankind. Adam stands there on behalf of all mankind. He's a slave. He can't represent himself. He knows he's guilty. He has no one to represent him. He's standing there and all the world knows he is guilty. Who's the prosecutor? It's Satan. He's the accuser of the brethren. And he's accusing Satan. Look what he did. He denied you. He gave it up. He sinned. He fell. He did this. He did this. And all of a sudden, somebody walks into that trial room and he is the one who's going to be our defense attorney. And his name is Jesus. And what is amazing in this trial is that not only does he defend mankind, but he becomes mankind. He says to Adam, move over. Move over, son. Let me stand in your place. Are you getting this? He can't be accused. See, God judged Adam's sin in Jesus and dealt with it. That was part of the trial. And Jesus at the cross took on the sin of the world. And when Jesus died, Adam died. Did you hear this? When Jesus died, all that Adam did on behalf of mankind was put to death. And so Jesus stands at this trial and he's called the second Adam or the last Adam. And when Satan points his finger, he can't find Adam. He's looking for Adam, but Adam's been swallowed up in victory. He's been swallowed up in Jesus. And now Jesus stands there and he is the holy son of God and the son of man. He is blameless and he cannot be accused. Revelation chapter 12, depending on your interpretation of the end times, tells us that a male child ascends to the throne. And there's war in heaven between Michael and the angels and the devil. And the accuser of the brethren is cast out. And he's now sent to the earth to deceive the world. That's where his authority is, in deception. But he is cast out. He no longer can accuse mankind when mankind is now in Christ Jesus. If you put your faith in the work of Jesus Christ, you are free from accusation and you join with Jesus in all power and all authority over the devil. Are you getting this? It's amazing, isn't it? John 14, 29 says, Now I've told you before it comes that when it comes to pass, you will believe. 
I will no longer talk much with you. This is John 14, 29. For the ruler of this world is coming and he has nothing in me. The first Adam who gave over his authority is dead. And Jesus takes his place and he says, that ruler has no... See, the grounds of authority over your life is whether you can be accused before God. And when that accusation is taken away and nailed to the cross, all those deeds that were against us, he made a shame of the, of the enemy. He, he, he ridiculed him. He exposed his lies and his defeat. He tricked the enemy and he gathered all mankind up into himself, paid the price and set them free. The enemy has no authority and no power over mankind. That's what the Bible says. I know this is playing with your head. John 16 verse 7 says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It's your advantage that I go away. Jesus is saying this. For if I don't go away, the help of the Holy Spirit will not come. So Jesus is saying, if I go to heaven, I'll send the Holy Spirit. And when he comes, he will convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. Of sin because they don't believe in me. So the role of the Holy Spirit is to get the people on planet earth to believe in in Jesus. What stops people believing? Deception. They're under deception. Corinthians says the whole world lies under the sway of the evil one. They're under deception. The God of this world has blinded their minds. They are, they are under a cloak of deception. That's what stops people being born again. And Jesus said the Holy Spirit will convict you of sin, righteousness because they go to the Father, and of judgment because the ruler of this world is now judged that tells us that by the holy by the time the holy spirit comes to planet earth the judgment shall be over did you hear that the sign of the holy spirit's coming is sorry the holy spirit coming is a sign that the judgment the trial that pitted man against the devil is done and finished. The devil no longer has any authority. And the Spirit of God coming is a sign to everyone on the planet that the judgment has been done and the devil has been rendered powerless. That's what it says. And the Holy Spirit will come and enforce this judgment. So when you get born again, the Spirit of God gets inside you and He's his job, his role, one of his primary roles is to get you to that you have all power and all authority over the works of the devil. He comes to expose all the lies and the tricks and the schemes of the evil one. The, the enemy wants you to think that you're held under his power and under his authority and that you've got to do all these magical tricks to get him off your back, that he's got all these supernatural powers that can get in and do damage to you. And you've got to be so careful that he's this big hairy monster with great power. The Bible says that when we truly see him, when we go to heaven, we will say, is this the one that yeah. deceived the nations? Is this little wiggly worm? Yeah. What gives Satan power? What gives him power is when we, by deception, empower him with the authority that God gave us. Yeah. Authority can only come from God. The root word of authority means author. The author of authority is God. It flows from his throne. And when we get deceived by the devil, he, by default, accesses our authority. He has no authority. At all. Did you hear that? Now I'm going to read to you from the book, The Gospel According to Noah. 
Listen to this. These are not the words of Jesus, but this is Jesus speaking to me. Jesus came to reinstate us back to our original place of dominion so we could express the lordship and desires of our Father God on earth. Listen carefully. To accomplish this, Jesus engaged and defeated the devil in the wilderness as a man. And then again on the cross as the representative of all mankind. In this battle, mankind's authority was taken back from the devil by the only one that was qualified to do it, the last Adam. Amen. Amen. It was at the cross that our nature was crucified, our fallen nature. And through the resurrection, a new lineage was born from above and we began to repopulate the earth. The essence of the death, the burial and the resurrection was God through Christ Jesus restoring mankind back to his original place of co-ruling with the Godhead. We are new creations who are now operating in the kingdom of the Father. We are no longer under the power of the evil one, and we no longer empower him through the soulish choices we made. We are positioned in Christ the last Adam and not in the first Adam. It means that we never gave anything to the devil. This is what you've got to realize. Because I'm in Christ, it means I never gave anything to Adam. Because I'm not in Adam. I'm in Christ. And the God of this world has nothing on me either. Are you getting this? He's got nothing on Jesus and he's got nothing on me. Because I'm not in Adam. I'm in Christ. And because we never gave our authority or our worship to the devil. See what Jesus did in the wilderness against the devil. He did at the cross against the devil on my behalf. Because I never gave my worship or my authority to the devil, I can legally exercise the dominion that the first Adam handed over to the devil. I can take back everything designed and stolen from me. It's essential to understand that God gave the earth to man and not to the devil. Something dramatic happened at the cross. And I now have all power and all authority. I am not in Adam. I am in Christ and Satan has no right to touch me. And the authority that he stole, I now have back. So the question must be asked, why does Satan seem to be so powerful? And that question is flawed in itself. But the question is asked, well, that's great, Andrew. All this authority, all this power. But why is the devil so powerful? Why does it seem like he gets... Away with so much in life. Well, Ephesians 6.10 says, Finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God so you can stand against the schemes and the tricks of the devil. Did you hear that? Not the power of the devil or the authority of the devil, but the schemes and the tricks and the deceptive lies of, uh, lies of the devil. The reason the devil appears so powerful is he's a master, 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 liar, cheater, swindler, trickster. Remember I've said to you before, whenever the devil says something to you, turn around 180 degrees and there is the truth. He says you're a loser, so it means you are a he says you'll never make it, so it means you will? Absolutely. He never comes to you and says, Walter, you are amazing. I believe in you. You've got an amazing future. You know what? 
There's nothing I can do to harm you. He never does that. He is a liar. He's a trickster. He's a schemer. And he's been doing this from the very beginning. And the Bible says we are to put on the whole armor of God so we can stand against the schemes, the tricks, and the lies of the devil. I venture to say every single person here, every single person this week or last week was lied to and attempted to be tricked by the devil. Would that be true? The others of you that didn't say yes, you're just deceived because you didn't see the trick. (laughs) You got tricked and you didn't know it. It's better to be tricked and know it because then the next time you can be ready. Put on the armor of God. The armor is not to fight the power of the devil, but the tricks. The greatest encounter you can have against the devil is not a power encounter. It's a truth encounter. You need the truth. You can come here and say, Andrew, the devil's been beating me up all week. Pray for me. And we pray for you. And you feel the power of God. But I tell you one thing, you will go back out and be beaten up again. But if you sit here this week and you hear the revelation of who you are in Christ and truth comes in, you will go out armed and dangerous. And when he comes, you'll be ready to take him on. It's the truth. Knowing the truth sets a man and a woman free. The armor, all of the armor of God deals with information and knowledge. The belt of truth is the first thing we put on. All these bits of armor are all about revelation of information and truth. We need to understand that, that everything that God does is to enlarge and increase our understanding of who we are in Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 says, The weapons of our warfare are not fleshly. You are in a war, absolutely, but it's a, not a war of power and authority. It's a war of the mind. It's a war of truth and revelation. He says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers and dominions. He says, our weapons aren't carnal, but they are mighty in God to pull down strongholds. Well, let's pray today against the stronghold of whatever over the city. Let's break this demon. Let's break this stronghold over our marriage and over our, and over our family. And let's bind the devil. Let's take on this stronghold. There's a stronghold. Do you know the greatest territorial spirit over our city? His name is the Holy Spirit. He says, we pull down strongholds. What are these strongholds? What are these demonic strongholds? Here they are. Arguments. Every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Thoughts that reject the obedience of Christ. These are your strongholds. This is how the enemy works. Arguments against God. Oh, don't listen to that man preach. He doesn't know what he's talking about. Arguments. Disobedience. Don't obey God. Don't obey what he says for your life. Don't listen to him. You know, when he says, uh, this is the way to live, don't listen to him. You know, it doesn't matter if you have four wives and, and, you know, if 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 you do this or you do that, if you cheat in your tax return or you do that, it doesn't matter. See, these are arguments. This is how the enemy gets authority over our lives. This is how he takes Christians out because they don't understand that the battle is in the mind, the way we think. He assaults the way we think. It causes us to be hopeless about our future. He says nothing's going to work out. It's never going to happen. He says this and that. This is where the battle rages. He has no authority over you. If you say no to him, 
His authority is finished. He's not some big hairy monster. I'm sorry to pop your bubble about Satan, but he's not. He's empowered by deception. If you will take control over your mind by the Holy Ghost and remind him that he is judged, the devil is judged, you have no power, no authority to reign in my mind. You are not allowed to just say whatever you like and for me to accept it. I say no. Can we do that? Be ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. We never quote that last part. In other words, the more you come into obedience to Christ, the more you agree with him, the more power you have to punish disobedience. All the works of the enemy, all the strategies. When you agree with God, by default, you begin to punish the enemy's work in your life. Let's do it. Paul prayed in Ephesians 1 verse 17. He says, I pray, and this is an apostolic prayer, one in Ephesians 1, one in Ephesians 3. And Paul says, I'm praying for you today, and it would be ideal if you pray this prayer too, Paul would be saying. I pray that the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Why would he pray a prayer like that? Why would he pray for wisdom and understanding in the knowledge of him? Because, I'll just give you the answer, because we're ignorant of who we are and who he, God is. Yeah. All of us. There are areas we're ignorant of. We're ignorant of what God has done for us, who we are, and what the devil's doing in our life. And Paul says, you need to pray this prayer every day. Father, I pray for the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you to come inside me. Show me who I am. That's the prayer we pray. Because the God of this world is doing his uttermost to deceive people, to make them feel that they're powerless and hopeless. Paul prays for the spirit of wisdom and revelation. On the sixth day in the garden, man came alive, came alive to his identity. A lot of people believe, a lot of prophetic people believe that we're in the sixth day now. Six days is a lease on the earth of six days and the days of the Lord is like a thousand years. And in that sixth day, the church is going to awaken to who they truly are. See, the devil's been deceiving people. He tricked Adam. He tricked David. He tricked Solomon. He tricked Elijah. He's tricked them all, it seems. But he's a liar. He's a liar. He's a liar. He's a liar. Did you hear that? He's a liar. Ephesians goes on to say in Ephesians 1.19, Paul says, It's my prayer that you may know what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power. I don't have time to go into it today, but in that passage just there that I read are four different Greek words describing different aspects of the power of God that was used to raise Jesus from the dead. All of hell assembled because they knew if they could stop Jesus rising from the dead, that second door would be closed and you and I would be held under the power of the enemy. But we know that Jesus 
rose from the dead, the Father exerted the, most, the greatest display of power ever seen, greater than the creation of the world, was in the raising of Jesus from the dead. And a new creation of people rising up victorious. And he says, I pray that the church would come to know, they would come to believe in the greatness of the power of God that is towards those that believe. Greater than every principality, power, ruler and dominion. And he says, now he has raised Jesus up and seated him at the right hand of God. That place is the throne of God where all power and all authority emanates from. That is the seat of all power. And Jesus said uh, through Paul in Ephesians 2.6, we too have been raised with Christ Jesus. And we sit alongside him in a place of authority and dominion against all the works of the enemy. And Paul prays that they may know the greatness of your power towards us who believe. Who believe. That word believe means to live in accordance with. It's not a mental, yeah, I believe. That was very nice, Andrew. I believe. It's not that. That's not belief. That's mental assent. We all can do that. We all do that. Belief is it begins to change the way I live. So when I walk into a place, I realize I, Andrew McGrath, carry all the authority of heaven. Jesus said in John 10, they can walk in and out and pasture. We can go to heaven. We can fellowship with the Father. We can come back to earth and we still have that same authority. We have that same life, that same anointing. And Paul prays, Paul prayed, may they begin to know the power that you exerted in Christ and then raised him up, seated at the right hand of the Father. May the church begin to understand that that same power and that same authority is theirs in Jesus' name. May they get a revelation deep in their heart that I don't have to be assaulted by the devil. I don't have to be depressed for days. I don't have to give up. I don't have to look at my future and say it's hopeless. I don't have to say I'm always going to be depressed or held under this demonic influence. I'll never change the way I think and feel. I have to go back to my old way of sin. No, you don't. You don't. Because the authority of God came inside you the moment you stepped through that door with Jesus Christ. You didn't just step through a door, but you stepped into an elevator that took you up to heaven. And you were given the authority of Jesus Christ the moment you were born again. And the devil has no power and no authority on this earth. None whatsoever. None whatsoever. And we are given the ministry of reconciliation, saying that God has reconciled all mankind back to Christ. And our job is to reach people who are under the sway of the enemy and bring them out of darkness into light because the enemy does not own them. He has no authority over them. We call them out of darkness. Come out in Jesus' name. So wherever you go, you carry power and authority. Well, we need to wait for the pastor to pray. No, you don't. You have the same authority. You step through the same door as I did. Church, you are powerful. And so often we come to church on Sunday and you can see God's people are being beaten up. What has the devil been doing all week? <sighs> Lying, cheating, stealing, robbing them. And they come in. And by the time, you know, it's a bit like evolution. By the time they get, you know. <laughs> that's where Darwin got the picture from. 
He went to church one day. And, just joking. But come on, come on. You know, we will not change the city if we constantly go through, and I'm doing this to encourage you, if we constantly go through Monday to Saturday-itis, being lied to and deceived by the devil, getting a little injection of truth, <laughs> and we go back, put our cap on, you know, for another week, onward Christian soldiers, marching against the war, and by the time we get back to church the next week, it's... Help me, Rhonda. Help me, Rhonda. It's like, no, 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 no. Jesus said in Matthew 28, 18. You know, if you laugh, you just encourage me. <laughs> he said, all authority has been given to me. Who's me? Me is we. Me is I. In heaven and earth, go therefore. Go therefore and make disciples. Think about this. Jesus on earth... He had such authority over the devil that he could delegate his authority to his disciples who weren't even born again. And they could live under his, somehow under his covering and cleanse the lepers, heal the sick, raise the dead and cast out demons. It was like a little prototype on earth for us to see of the power and potential for every New Testament believer. So you're powerful today. Much more powerful than the devil. Little devil, big God. Little devil, big Christian. He has no power and no authority over you. Did you hear that? Change the way you pray. Change the way you warfare. Change the way you live. When you walk into a place, you have the authority. You have the power. You can say, Father, thank you your kingdom is in me. I bring the kingdom into my workplace. I speak the life of Jesus. Wherever I go, Lord, you will cause me to prosper. Wherever I go, people will come out of darkness into light. I am a deception breaker. I am a darkness breaker. Where I go in, the blindness goes and people begin to see. When I go into a place, people that are deaf begin to hear. Something begins to shift over their life. Deception goes and they can begin to hear you. That's who you are. You have authority Empower over the evil one in Jesus' name. Give him a hand. So, the key to authority is two doors. And all of you have gone through the first one. You all have been born. Yes? Yes? Yes, Just checking. And the second door is called being born again. And if you're listening on the podcast, via video, if you've never been born again, that's the next key. You've got to step through the second door. Jesus said, I am the door. I am the way. And so as we go through Jesus, we're immediately seated with him in heavenly places. You have authority over addiction, over, over every, every lie of the evil one. God has given you great authority. You are not powerless. And as you begin to speak the name of Jesus, it releases authority in your life to quell the works of the enemy. We pull out the sword of the Spirit. And as we do that, he begins to flee. You are powerful. So if you've never invited Jesus into your life, you can do that here in this building, 
those watching online, ask Jesus in your life. Step through the second door. And just while every eye is closed and we're just waiting on the Lord, if you can hear my voice and you've never gone through that second door, it's the door of salvation, ask Jesus to come into your heart today. Say, Lord, I want to be in Christ and not in Adam. I want you to forgive me of my sin. I want you to be the one that stands on my behalf. So I'm not accused, but so I'm clean. Come into my heart, Jesus. Forgive me of my sin. I receive your work on my behalf. And if you've never done that, why don't you right now pray that prayer? Ask him into your heart. The Bible says if you would confess Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart, that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Ask him in today. If you're not sure today that you would go to heaven, if you don't know that Jesus is your Lord and Savior, cry out to him, say, Jesus, come into my heart. And it's a prayer that all of heaven stand attention to. They hear the cry of the sinner. And he says, the moment you pray that you shall be saved. He gave us the right to become the children of God. So I thank you, Lord, that as people have heard my prayer, that they've prayed that with me and that they've become born again. They've stepped through that second door into eternal life. Now I speak to every saint and I say to you, now it's time to live like you've stepped through the second door, to go in and out and enjoy the abundant life that Father spoke of in this passage through Jesus to take authority over the works of the enemy, to crush him under your feet, to know that you and God are a majority in every circumstance in life. And some of you this week, you've come up against things and it feels like that you are outnumbered. And I'm speaking to someone now that you have felt this week that the numbers are against you. And God would say to you today that he and you are always the majority. The Father and the Son wrestled against all of hell and it wasn't even a fight. And you and God are a majority. And the same power that rose Jesus from the dead is here to quicken your mortal body and to set you free. And I thank you for that, Father, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.